So the big question is this, how can I live a life of purpose and meaning and still pay my mortgage? I had the good six-figure corporate job, but it got to a point where I felt like I was going to be sick every day on my way to work. I knew there had to be a better way. So I hung up my corporate suit and I put on my yoga pants. I've spent the last 20 plus years searching for answers. I've traveled to the end of the earth, studying with gurus and teachers, chasing balance and clarity and crafting a life of purpose. I'm deeply passionate about helping other seekers and entrepreneurs do the same. I'm Leanne Wolke, and this is The Epic Journey. Join me and my guests as I share lessons learned along my personal growth and entrepreneurial journey. In this episode, I sit down with Dee Bailey, the Chief Operating Officer at Danielle Laporte. Danielle Laporte is known for crafting core desired feelings, brilliant meditations, and products and tools that just make you feel connected to your soul. Now, Dee is a marketing ninja. She is a mastermind strategist, content influencer, and a, a genius as far as marketing, editorial management, and all things business. She's able to create innovative experiences and solutions to really ex- to expand on brands and to put them out into the world. She creates best-in-class strategies, ideation, and execution. In this episode, we talk about living in the present, core desired feelings, the entrepreneurial journey, and goals, as well as tips and tools for managing teams. So although this episode was lost in the archives for a bit, we thought there were so many great gems that we wanted to bring it to you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to the podcast, Dee. We're thrilled to have you here. Um, can you start out and just tell us a little bit about your history, about your journey? How did you get to where you are today? For sure. Um, I've always been really passionate about marketing and entrepreneurship and innovation and just sort of a creative being. Uh, I never really fit into the mold. I always was kind of an individual by myself, maneuvering life. Um, I really didn't actually grow up with a lot of friends. And that meant I had a lot of spare time. So during that spare time, I would take on creative uh, activities and a lot of sports. And um, my both my parents were actually entrepreneurs as well. So I dabbled a little bit in what they were doing. I saw them hustling on the side. I was busy. I was always going to work with them. And I loved it. So as I grew up, In high school, I actually was offered a scholarship in marketing and also a scholarship in phys ed. So I ended up going in this direction of sports. I was a gymnast at the time, um, doing gymnastics seven days a week. Uh, I competed internationally, and I missed the marketing component. So um, I got into the sports industry with Good Life Fitness, a job that was offered to me during college. And I worked my way up through Good Life Fitness. It's a Canadian company. Actually, I don't know if you have that in in the United States. Do you? We don't, no. You don't. It's actually the largest fitness club in Canada, so it's a really big deal here. And through that, as I went up through the ranks, I was really young when I started with them. I was 19, and by 28, I was at the highest level I could be at. There was was no more room for growth, and I was like, well, this is my life. What am I going to do? And... I just 
dove into marketing further, and that's when digital marketing became a thing. When I had originally started with Galip, there wasn't you know Instagram and Facebook, and uh, people weren't doing a lot through e-commerce. When I finished with Galip, it was booming. That Facebook had started up, that e-commerce industry was sort of just peaking. And I had a passion for it. I would go home from work every night and go online and see what was going on. And I wanted to bring that into the fitness industry, but there just wasn't really, they weren't open to it at the time. So I left and worked for two local e-commerce businesses, two startups. They were both very successful and both businesses sold. And I made a lot of connections. You were one of them uh, through that business. And once um, those connections had heard I had left, I had a lot of opportunities coming my way, which led me to Danielle Laporte. Wow. Now, how, oh, long have you, how long have you been with Danielle Laporte? Uh, three and a half years now. Okay. And had you heard of her and did you know what core desired feelings were ahead of time? Good question. I did actually. So working with one of the small startups I had been with, we created a collaboration together and I was able to work one-on-one with her to design something that meant a lot to her at the time. And through that, I had done a lot of research on her and I also had desire map. We were registered as desire map facilitators. So I had known a lot about the program and the offerings And the product that I was creating with her, I really wanted to resonate towards her specific products. So, yes, I did. (laughs) That's awesome. So what are your core desired feelings? Or explain a little bit about what core desired feelings are, if someone hasn't heard of this. Um, And what are yours, if you'll share? For sure. So a core desired feeling is an ideal way of living for you. So when you wake up in the morning you're asking yourself, how do I want to feel today? Rather than checking off a to-do list or just feeling out of your body and not where you where you're supposed to be, having a job that you don't love, living a life that you don't love, being in a relationship that doesn't bring you joy. So living your core desired feelings means living in the presence, living how you actually want to feel every single day when you wake up. Uh, it's something that's really important in our industry, and you know, a lot of people are exhausted and dr- drained doing things that they don't love or living a life that they don't love. So, starting your day with your core desired feelings is a way to awaken your soul and really be true to oneself. So, my core desired feelings are uh, awakened, heart-centered, line-hearted, rooted, and oneness. I have five. What are your core desired feelings? You know, I'm updating them because when I first did it, I actually bought the first copy of, uh, not the first copy, but I bought the digital copy of um, the Desire Map before it even came out in print. And I don't even know how I found it. I think a friend of mine had posted about it, um, who's another yoga teacher and entrepreneur. And I was at this spooky haunted hotel, literally haunted hotel in um, in. Rhode Island at a yoga teacher training, couldn't sleep because there were literally ghosts in the hotel and people would hear these crazy things. Like they weren't the nice friendly ghosts. They were not good ghosts. Um, And I stayed up and I bought the thing and I read it like that night. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Um, And so when I first did my core desired feelings, I haven't updated them, but it was play, 
um, affluence or abundance. I kind of played with those both. I didn't like abundance because it could mean like an abundance of work and it could have that negative connotation. I was like, oh gosh, wait, let me retool that. Um, play affluence, uh, vitality. Um, what's the fourth one? I'll have to go back and look. Um, I've switched around kind of how I've purposed my day or, or began to do it. This year has been um, a year of some pretty high-level coaching for me and intensity. Um, so it's definitely a time to get back into really looking at how strategically do I want to create my day. Um, I came from, in grad school, I worked for Franklin Covey. So yeah. I know I was like the planner girl and I would explain to people how to do them. Um, and so that whole task focus way is an easy default, um, mm -hmm. especially as life gets busier. So I know that there's something in there and it's really getting intentional for 2020 about what is it I want to create for my business, for my life, for everything, um, in this coming decade. I just turned 52. So happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> not 52, but 50 also, um, so it's really kind of like this huge milestone period. And um, yeah, so just retooling those and getting clear on what are the things that really connect with me, um, you know, and how do I also lead from that place in my community? I love it. I love it. And you're a yoga teacher, so you can bring this right back into your work, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I have uh, 13 teachers at my studio. I have a studio. I also do some coaching. Um, I started a podcast that we've ranked in 21 countries as of, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago. I haven't looked lately because it's really more about just getting to have these conversations and connect with people and trying to get what I noticed, and you probably have seen this with entrepreneurs, is people have this passion. They have this idea and they don't know how to go from the idea and the passion to execution. Yes, so they, absolutely. They be, yeah, they begin to think like, oh, more education is the answer. And so someone will take a 200-hour teacher training and then a 500-hour, and then they're looking for the next thing without ever looking at how to action it in the world. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's the visionaries, and you know, that's the Danielle Laporte. She's the visionary, but then there's the integrators, which are the mates, you know? So right. there, there are the people with all the ideas and they know how to execute them in terms of working with the people and making them look beautiful. But then there's the hard part of how do I actually execute that to get more visibility and to optimize it? Mm -hmm. Diff different brains. Totally. And it's different skill sets. And I think that one of the big challenges is when people think they can do it all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> so since you've worked with a lot of different heart-based entrepreneurs, how do you work with them to keep them focused? You talked about an integrator, and that's a great, a great word, great descriptor, I think. For sure. It can be challenging at times because one idea can lead to another idea, and you want to keep them on track, but you also want to appease them and make sure that you're providing like an end result that really makes them feel fulfilled. I think one of the coolest parts about working for Danielle is that she works for joy, and she wants to wake up and feel joy in everything she's doing every day. And not only that, but she wants to live a heart-centered lifestyle and make sure that she's giving that back to the people. 
uh, it's up to me to, to be the director of operations over here. And we use a lot of tools. So we use Asana um, to organize everything day to day. So she knows what her tasks are, what the priorities are, what the timing looks like. We have 10 people on our team, so we want to make sure that everyone is also living their core desired feelings on our team. So big picture, we want to see what the workflows look like. Does someone have too much on their plate? Can someone help with a different area because uh, it's a little slower for them right now? So managing and, and holding that down. And it's up to me to, to keep as much off Danielle's plate that doesn't need to be off of her plate because she's so creative. She's always thinking of ideas and thinking of things and she doesn't need to worry about the small things. That, that's what the team can deal with. So I think that's the biggest thing, having some sort of project management tool in place, which we do, and then having somebody um, work with the team directly so Danielle can have the space she needs to be the creative and visionary. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got really clearly designed roles and helping people do what they're able to excel at. Absolutely. Zone of genius. Have the people work in their genius all the time. Now, what do you do if somebody, you know, you've got a team that understands core desired feelings. How, how do you manage if somebody's not living into their core desired feelings or their bigger purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course it happens. We're, we're human beings. And the cool part is, is, with Team D, one of the onboarding processes over here is we get to know what everyone's core desired feelings are, what the enneagrams are. We know people deep down. So you can tell when something's off really easily. You know, if someone's had a busy week, if something's happening at home, we're a virtual team as well. So um, it's not as easy to walk into an office and go over to the water cooler and say, hey, like, how's everything going? You have to feel it out. And that's the cool part about being in tune with your core desire feelings, you can actually feel things virtually through intuition, through communication on Viber. Uh, so the easiest thing to do is to hop on a call when you, you just feel something's off and we're very open. You have to be open in this environment, hop on a call, see where people are at, do a heart check. And we also check in as a team every single morning. We wake up around the world. We do, we wake up at different times all over the world and we have one group chat and people check in uh, on what their nourishing thoughts are for the day, what their core desired feelings are for the day, what their priorities are, their top priority. And that allows us to really understand where everyone's at that day. If someone needs a little extra love, we give it to them. If someone needs a little space, we give it to them. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, what a great, powerful um, tool. And even you know, thinking at a lot of times I work with yoga studios and, you know, for them, we have teachers all over the place, different times, different classes, but that's something that easily somebody could integrate into like a Slack channel or something. What else would you say um, are tools that you personally have or your team has to help keep you heart focused in this entrepreneurial world? Wow, that's a good question. We're also different on the team. We have, you know, a graphic designer, a copywriter, a community manager, a few directors. Everyone's really different. Uh, I'll give you some things that people on the team are doing just because people are so different. So I'm actually a meditation teacher and I do that. So if, if I need that 
space or if I need to be more grounded, I can take some time to meditate. Uh, some of the other girls do breath work. They're really into breath work. We do have a team coach as well, uh, Chayla Davison. She's amazing and always available for us. If we need something, she's available to help us get grounded, to get back into the zone. Uh, what do the other girls do? I think those are the main things. And the other thing that really helps us, playlists. Yes. I love it. Yes, we share a lot of playlists. And then we also have Team D playlists that we can play when we need to during specific seasons. Now, are those public on Spotify or somewhere? They are. You can find them under Danielle Laporte. She is on Spotify. You'll find all of her podcasts there and her playlists. And oh, their team, they're labeled under Team D. You'll find them there. Okay. I'm going to check them out. Those sound great. <laughs> What would you say, what concept or, or trait do you think heart-based entrepreneurs have the most trouble with? They're so giving. Mm-hmm. It, Danielle, would, I don't even know how she has a business some days. She wants to give everything for free all day, every day. She just genuinely wants to give back to every human. It's crazy. Yeah. So how do you think, because I, I see that is, and I actually wrote something um, in a, a, a thing I was writing for somebody, I don't know what it was, but, but I said something about heart-based entrepreneur, entrepreneurs have bleeding hearts and we want to save the world and we don't realize that we have to pay our mortgage. And I see that more and more, like they just want to give it all away, which is so beautiful. But I think there's also a flip side is that if everything is free, then people don't value it. Right. I understand what you're saying. It is a tricky balance and there's so much value to the work that we do. And we see that on our end as well. And we see how the work we do every single day changes lives. So I think that's how we're able to put a dollar on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also is that understanding that heart-based entrepreneurs should be paid for the work that they do. Absolutely. And if you're building up the right community and have the right following, they do see that. You know, you may have experienced this with Danielle's work. She has done the pay what you can. Uh, in the past, we have done, we do them every single year. And it's incredible how much people give back. And on top of that, we give back a, a portion to charity as well. So, yeah, it's if you have the right following and the right people behind you, they, they're going to see that. Do you figure out when you're looking at who is the premier, um, the avatar or the ideal customer for the company? Do you look at what are their core desired feelings? We do. That's a good question. You're putting me on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. We do have we do have a couple avatars. We have a two actually, and I, I actually don't know what their quarter desired feelings are right now, but they are written down. <laughs> that's great. That's and I think that that's important though because we don't serve everybody. We all have our ideal clients that we are going to work with, and of course, there's more spillover and crossover, and that's great. But I think an unclear voice is muddied. <clears throat> and people don't really know who you're serving, and it's, it becomes a diluted, confusing message a lot of times. 
Right. Having an avatar is very important, especially in that space. Yeah. So what three skills or practices or traits do you think are most important for those who want to get their ideas out in the world? Hmm. Good question. I think just being open to feedback, you know, bouncing your ideas off of people and being open to feedback, open to that sort of communication is really important. And having a plan in place to, to execute that idea, whether you're that person to make the plan or you're working with someone to help you make that plan and execute that plan. And just being understanding that it's going to take time. Things take time. You know, we come up with these ideas and we want them to happen instantly, but they do take time. Yeah. So I think it's staying in it for the long haul. Definitely. Having the dedication and, and also understanding that sometimes things don't happen overnight, but if you put the time and the energy and the passion into it, don't give up is really the answer. Yeah, I agree. I think I heard Tony Robbins once say, anything worth doing is worth doing. And he paused and people said, well, and he said, no, poorly. Interesting. Because anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And then as you increase your skill level and you increase your efficiency, then obviously your skill level increases and you're doing it better and better and better. But if it's important enough, then it's important enough to do even really badly. Right. (laughs) You're always growing, right? You're always optimizing. And I totally see that perspective. What would you say has been your biggest growth experience in the last decade? Oh my goodness. I would definitely say this opportunity, this current opportunity with Danielle in the last three and a half years, I came on in a marketing manager role and I've moved up to the director of operations. Um, and it, it's been a lot to take on in terms of knowledge, not just with Danielle Oport Inc. growing so much over the last three years. What about the industry growing, the e-commerce industry, the social industry, It is so evolving and ever-changing. It's a dance every single day. What's upgraded? What's updated? What can't we do anymore? What can we do? So I would say that even daily, the knowledge to stay in the industry, the social industry and market. Yeah. it's My coaching program I'm doing this year is with Russell Brunson. And um, it's his Two Comma Club X program. And it is intense. And it's like every day my mind is being blown and I'm thinking like, why didn't anybody tell me this 10 years ago? Um, So true. How do you integrate everything you learn from that? That's the question I for you. Yeah. You know, it's been interesting is I look at, um, I first, like I live in Nashville and I'm part of a Tony Robbins mastermind and somebody else asked our group about this funnel hacking live event that's held in Nashville. And the response from somebody I really respect was, if you can go, you should go. Because even if you get one idea you can implement, it'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I have, you know, $600 or whatever it was. And I could drive to the event. So I wasn't paying for lodging or airfare. And um, I thought like, okay, I'll go and I'll see what I can learn. A couple days before, actually the week before, my stepdad went in for open heart surgery in California. So I flew out. 
um, got back the night before the event. I was like, I don't even know what this event is. I don't even know who this Russell Brunson is. I don't know what a click funnel is. I have no idea. But I showed up and the first day I sat in my chair and I was like, oh my God, this is what my business has been missing. Um, and I just, I, I look at it in what can I integrate? And, you know, I've barely scratched the surface surface. I published an ebook, um, on yoga basics. I created a different offering for a lot of my corporate clients instead of just selling yoga as a commodity. Um, I look at it more as an offer. How can I add more value for my clients? So that's been a big thing in every aspect, not just in the corporate side, but also looking at how can we take that same concept and apply it in the studio side, in the private coaching side, everywhere. So that's been big. Um, also learning how do we, how do you publish an ebook? How do you start a podcast? How do you get a podcast to rank on the charts? How do you reach out to people? How do you, you know, like all of that. Um, and we've had access to really great entrepreneurs who are doing things at a super high level. Mm -hmm. I said that I'm like the baby in the group um, with my little baby business because there's people with businesses signing contracts for multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, And even having the opportunity to be able to connect with these people and ask questions about people with different skill sets um, is huge. I was able to to implement like a little text service where somebody texts yoga to a certain number, then I can respond to them and they're getting my information. And so we were able to look at opportunities such as like a health fair that was like a great big waste of time for us and look at how we can make it make sense. Amazing. Yeah. So it's been like a, a mind blowing. I've, I was thinking about it this morning. I've read more this year than um, in the last couple of years, probably combined any book that Russell sends me, I read it like immediately, no matter what else I have going on. Um, so it's been good. I think it is. We have those periods of growth and learning. But the big thing for me this year has been, what can I implement? Right. And do you have a team as well? I do. Um, it's, I have my studio team. And then I'm also looking at building additional pieces. Um, I'm kind of that entrepreneur that has an idea and I'm like, oh, we could do that. Um, We're private labeling nutrition products right now and looking at how we can offer that to our studio community as well, because that's something that they've all said that they're interested in. Crazy. So you're a visionary, very visionary as well. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great. Um, I think you talked about like doing your entrepreneurial little journey stuff when you were a kid and you know, I think that we do that. Like the people that are willing to take on those first entrepreneurial journeys, be it a paper route, be it we had carnivals and lemonade stands, they're able to then take the risk as an adult because it's in their DNA somehow. Yes. Yeah. So what was your first entrepreneurial journey? Oh my goodness. My first one. I don't even remember. I guess, you know, this is crazy. This is a while ago. And this is not cool or hip or anything. Selling used clothes on eBay. And but that's brilliant. I made so much money. How old was I? 18. And I would sell all my clothes on eBay. And I had so much money, I thought, for an 18-year-old. 
And I just couldn't believe it. Like people would buy anything. And I learned how to like ship it properly and worked with our postal system over here in Canada, got like this special card and all these discounts. I felt so cool. Now, but how, how did you find out first off about selling on eBay? I'm really a petite person. I'm, I was really small. And at the time there weren't all these stores in the malls and I couldn't shop online. And eBay was one of the only places I could find clothes for smaller girls. So I would go on eBay to find smaller things. And then I was noticing that people were bidding really high on a lot of things. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting why don't I sell some of the things I don't wear? And I started doing that. And then I was actually able to like buy things on sale in Canada and then sell them on eBay in other territories for a lot more money. That's where it really started. That's amazing. And it's, you know, (laughs) I think it's like not knowing how to do it. You kind of figure it out as you go. Cause I'm sure you didn't have the special mail card the first week. (laughs) You know, I didn't. And we didn't have, all we had was internet and eBay really at the time. There was no Amazon or Facebook or Instagram. eBay was sort of the first outlet, social outlet. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, so what would you say to somebody who wants to start something and they don't really know how to do it? Because that's, I hear a lot like, oh, I want to do this, but I don't know. You, there has to be a fire inside of you. There really does have to be a fire inside of you and you, just take the time to research and make sure it's your passion. We have so many resources at our fingertips to figure things out. There are books, there is Google. You can, you can Google anything. You can YouTube video, anything. So have that fire and set time aside to do your research. And then if you need, decide that you need to hire help then then get the help. And how would you say someone knows if, the fire is there. You think about it 24 seven. It's always on your mind. It's the first thing you think of when you get up, the last thing you think of when you go to bed, if you have a job, you're thinking about it all day at your job. You will know it's probably with you with yoga. How did you know you wanted to, to own a yoga studio? You know, I went into, um, I went to a yoga class in Solana beach where I lived and I, it was, 25 years ago. And um, I didn't really even know what yoga was. And I didn't know there were two classes. There was an Ashtanga class and there was a Hatha class. I went to the Ashtanga class. I loved it. Um, I didn't know at the time I had one of the 12 certified teachers in the world as my teacher. And so I did yoga. Then I moved to Philadelphia and I was like, whoa, this is not the same. Um, and so it led me to a teacher training with Beryl Bender Birch up at Omega. And then she said, hey, you know, Manju's going to be in Philadelphia, don't you? And I was like, no. And Manju Joyce was Batabi Joyce's son. The irony of it is that he lived in Encinitas, which is about three miles from where I lived in Solana Beach. And like, no, I couldn't meet them there when it was easy. I had to go to Philadelphia to meet him. And then I noticed at the time I had a really difficult client. I was working in drug development. And I would get on the Schuylkill Expressway and drive from downtown Philly out to the suburbs where I worked. And I felt like I was going to throw up every morning. Not bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, clinical trials are high stress, tight timelines. Um, 
And the one that I was working on was a surgery protocol. We had four minutes to determine efficacy. It was with stopwatches and timers. One of the people working on the projects was telling the, um, the physicians and their nurses to estimate the times, mm-hmm. which meant all of the data was garbage. Wow. And so for, <laughs> for me as the project manager, I had to go to my management and tell them and tell our client. And, um, and I thought that was going to be hard enough. What I didn't anticipate was that the client wasn't going to believe it and that the client loved the person who was um, giving the misinformation so much. And he was such a smooth talker that it put me in a really difficult position. Mm-hmm. Um, Then I began to notice the days that I did yoga in the morning before I went into the office, I didn't have that sense of nausea. And so I quit my job and went to India to study with Patabi Joyce. Wow. So amazing. See, you just, you know, when you know, you know it. Something inside of you shifts, right? Yeah. And it was, you know, and I thought I was going to open a studio and it probably took me 15 years to do it. What I can see in hindsight is every part of our journey is essential for who we become. And it's this becoming part that like we might be doing something. And I remember in India, I told someone like, oh, I have this job. It pays really well, but I want to do something more meaningful. What I didn't realize is my experience in clinical trials would later directly contribute to my husband getting through cancer treatment and my ability to be able to find the thought leaders and my ability to be able to look at a protocol and my ability to be able to find the protocol violations when they failed to give him the drug to re-stimulate his bone marrow after a bone marrow transplant. Mm. So had I not had that clinical trial experience, I wouldn't be able to have found that. Um, So I think it's the appreciation now that I have for looking at it and saying each part of our journey is essential. We don't understand necessarily in the moment, but trust that it is and see what you can learn. I also think that anybody that come, that anything you go through in your life, whatever it is, and as a studio owner, I see that that same condition walks in my door. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I can say my husband had a bone marrow, had two bone marrow transplants, and then I'll have somebody walk in the door going through cancer and getting ready to do bone marrow transplants. Wow. Or, you know, I will have, I lost a baby. I'll have someone who walks in who lost a baby. So I think it gives us that relatability um, and that connection which connection is another one of my core desired feelings. Love it. So important. Yeah. So I think, you know, that it is, is it's that passion and burning desire. Um, And as we begin to pull all the parts of ourselves together, then we have that integrated self that makes us uniquely who we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, what habits, I know you said you're a meditation teacher, but What other practices help you lead a balanced life? Mm -hmm. Living my core desired feelings are really important to me. Uh, I am a very regimen person. I'm a Virgo. I'm seven planets in Virgo. It's sort of crazy, super perfectionist. Uh, So routine is important to me. I wake up every day at 530. I go to the gym first thing in the morning. I am in an EST time zone while our most of our team's PST, so I'm three hours ahead of them, which is a blessing because I could do so much more while they're sleeping. Uh, they wake up and I'm ready to start the day. And very, just being very in tune with how I want to feel every single day, everything I'm doing, everything I'm saying yes to, and everything I'm saying no to, is it aligned 
with how I want to feel? Is it aligned with who I am today? Asking myself those questions. I do use the Desire Map Planner. Do you use it as well? I do. do. I just got my new one. It just arrived. It's sitting on my desk. It's so pretty. I love it. So I'm an undated planner person because of my perfectionism. I have a really hard time if I miss a day. So I was doing the daily planner and I was missing a couple days here and there and it, it, it would bother me intensely. So I just use the um, undated planner and I absolutely love it. What type of planner are you? Weekly, I daily. am a daily. You are? Yeah, yeah. I am. And that goes, I, I think it goes back to Franklin Covey because that's how we, we learned. Right, right. I love the daily structure. So just having um, the routine is really, really important to me. Uh, and then before bed, always devices off an hour before bed. I'm not a TV person, but my issue is internet, blogs. I love reading blogs. I love catching up on things. I love knowing what's going on in the marketing industry. So just making sure I do set that time aside for myself, meditate throughout the day, legs up the wall, all the things to get my body ready to relax and nourish itself. What are your favorite blogs to read? Oh my goodness. So many. I'm, I love fashion blogs. I know that's not in my industry necessarily, but I'm, I find them really fascinating. And not only that, I do find that reading blogs from other industries help within marketing because you're seeing what's going on out there and every, everyone's doing different things, you know, whether they have different widgets on the side, different uh, email boxes popping up. Um, marketing insider is really important to me. I'm more of a podcasty person when it comes to industry sort of things. So like, Gary Vee, Amy Porterfield, Gold Digger. I really do like Skinny Confidential blogs. She, she has the best interviews. Um, With Love, Danielle, obviously, is one of my favorite podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a podcast person than, than a blog person. Blog is really just like fashion-y stuff. Well, and that makes sense because the blog that's a fashion blog, you're going to be able to visually see versus some of the other concepts you can certainly get in the podcast and the time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best investment you ever made in yourself? Meditation teacher training. Yeah? Why? It brought me into a whole new world. Like I am a new person. I'm a different person from that experience. It was a year-long intense course and – I'm so much more grounded, but I'm so much more understanding with other people. Being a Virgo, I have really high expectations of other people. I think everyone should be perfect all the time. And the training really helped me understand that that's not the case and that that's okay. And it also helps in my work with communicating with other people and managing other people, bringing people into specific states of mind. It's life-changing, like yoga. Yeah. Now, what would you say for someone who wanted to start meditating? How would they start? Slowly. Not putting uh, pressure on yourself to get into a specific state quickly. A couple minutes every single day, quiet time, silence. That's exactly it. Take your time. Take the time you need. 
everyone is different. Yeah. Do you prefer um, like a guided meditation or an unstructured following your breath? Definitely more guided. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any podcasts of your meditations out there? No. <laughs> no recordings? Top secret. Okay. No, Good. no, it's not. <laughs> but no. We might have to help you do that. Maybe. How would you say, what has been a pivotal moment in your life? Were you always this kind of heart-based or when did you realize? I've always, I've always excelled in job positions. So I'd always, you know, start at the bottom and work my way up to the top and not intentionally. I've never wanted to manage people or be a director of something. It just always happened. And then I realized I, I'm just sort of bred to be a leader, but I didn't want to be like the rest of the leaders. When I pictured a leader, I pictured a male. And when I pictured a leader, I pictured someone dominant and I am not dominant. I'm actually quite shy by nature, a very quiet, introverted person, but I still always excelled into these roles. So I think what was sort of pivotal for me is, you know, finding out about the Danielles in the world and understanding that there are heart-based women leaders kicking ass. And sorry if you need to bleep that out. Uh, Kicking butt out there and doing it with love, doing it with compassion, doing it for the right reasons. That's pivotal to me. I'm in the right place and I, I just feel it inside, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say is next for you? A huge year. I have a lot of goals for 2020 with Daniel Laporte Inc. and also personal goals in terms of growth mentally and business-wise. I, I want to be a more loving person and I want to give more to the world uh, in terms of philanthropy. So... I am excited to dive into that. Yeah. And then when, how do you talk to me a little bit about how do you set a goal? How do you set a based on my core desired feelings? A hundred percent all the time. Yeah. So I actually just recently redid my core desired feelings because I wasn't resonating with what I had uh, the past six months. And I base them on what I want to do in 2020, what goals I want to achieve, where I see myself If I don't feel the way I want to feel every single day, I know I need to make a change. And then how often, so you talked about, you just updated your core desired feelings within the Mm -hmm. last six months. How often do you review them or update? Uh, At least three times a year. I review them. Sometimes I, I keep them, I keep a couple and I shift a few new ones in because we're always growing. We're constantly evolving. And if, you know, one of my core desire feelings was like shocked at one point and I was feeling it. I was in it and I'm like, I need to move on. You know, there's something more out there for me and I need to be more awakened and in tune with one myself and two, like the world, the planet, what's going on. So that shifted in for 2020 mm-hmm. and I want to be one awakened internally, but also I want to exude that with people I'm working with. 
So a, a couple, at least twice a year, but usually three times. Okay. And then when you plan your goals, do you do a vision board or do you do what kind of process? I actually usually use, I use a lot of, I write down a lot of things and then to, I use Instagram and I make boards on Instagram and I'm constantly looking at them, shifting them, updating them. Yeah. Do you have them like as a screen? I'm always curious how people keep things in their mind. Are they a, a screensaver? Do you print them out? Uh, I don't actually. I just look at them a lot. Like I'm always going through them, sifting them. I'm a daydreamer. Like I'm constantly dreaming about things. And so I look at those boards. I'm like, mm, yes, yes. And then I'm like checked off, checked off, not checked off. <laughs> so. Amazing. So good. What would you say if somebody wanted to increase um, how they promote what they're doing? Because you have helped so many companies get the word out. What would you say? How could they take that next step? It's a good question. I, I get asked that a lot, actually. And I think the biggest thing, it starts with you. You need to step out of your comfort zone and be the face of the brand, unless you're not the face of the brand. That's a bit different, but it's about being courageous. Like, look at you. You've stepped out. You're, you've started a podcast. You've become more visible. To grow your brand, especially if it's a personal brand, people want to see your face. They want to see you on your Instagram stories. They want to hear you on your podcast talking with cool people. They want to see you at events in public. It's all about you. Yeah. And I think that goes back to why it's so important to have core desired feelings. Because if you think about as if you're not living it, you can't convey it. If you're exactly. not aligned, people are going to sniff it out and feel it and, and know that at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Very so much. Good. Mm-hmm. So good. What's your message to the world? Um, love. I, I really, truly, one of my core design feelings is oneness, which is very hard to achieve. <laughs> but I, I really want to be there and truly love. I look at the internet every single day and I look at the comments people leave on some feeds or things people say, and I just want more love out there. That's the message I want to bring and the message I want to leave with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, it, it's so important. And to really look at that we're all people so even I don't care if somebody hates what I say, um, but at the end of the day, like I have a family, I have people that love me and that I love. And I think sometimes we don't realize the words that we put out um, are landing on another person. It changes people's lives. The smallest thing that you do or could say, especially through social media, directly could save a life right. or harm a life, you know? So it's just so important. It's so important what you're saying, that messaging. So besides Desire Map, because we know that would be up there, what yeah. what three books do you think every entrepreneur should read? I like read management books. So I'm a tricky, tricky one to get to. No, Everything is, that's good too, right? The Universe Has Your Back is good. Everything is figure outable. Excellent book. Uh, obviously the desire map, one of my faves five minute manager. It's a good one. And currently reading scrum because we are implementing it over here in our business. Have you heard of scrum? No. What's scrum? It's a, 
It's a project management method. It's a good one. Good. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> and, and it, you know, I think it is important because it's easy just to stay in the, um, like the feel good books. But I think even if it's a heart-based business, it's still a business at the end of the day. You still have to have methodologies that support what you're up to. Mm-hmm. It's all about balance. Good to great. That's a good book. That was one of the first books I ever read as a leader. And I come back to that book every single time, you know, so okay. what, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in and follow your heart. If you haven't desired that before, I highly encourage it. We do have a free course going on. I'm not here to promote that at all. It just came to mind. The desiremap.com slash 2020. We're offering a seven day core desire to feeling challenge. So if you haven't desired map before and want to go into the new year, or if this is in the new year um, with your core desired feelings, you can check that out and never give up. Just believe in yourself, believe in your goals. Don't, Listen to what other people say if they're not on board with you. Follow your heart. Such sage advice, for sure. (laughs) How can people follow up with you? Or how can they see what you're up to in the world? For sure. The best place right now to follow up with me is at Danielle Laporte, Inc. You can reach me at d.bailey at danielleport.com or uh, through my business at d at bizfluential.com and also on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Is it D Bailey? Bizfluential. Awesome. Thank you so much, D. I appreciate you sitting down and sharing and taking time for this conversation. Um, my favorite part of, of getting to do this is to have conversations with people like you. And I just appreciate your time and your knowledge and all that you're up to in the world. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. And I'm very grateful. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Epic Journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a rating and a review. I truly hope that you got something out of this episode that you can use on your own epic journey.